Hey, Link Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Commander Caliban, and this is my favorite show on the Citadel. Sitting in tonight, oh, sorry, that's what it used to say. Now it says, joining me on the show as usual is my co-host. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek Podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to Discoverage. I was getting in the habit of saying that you weren't here, but you are here, and it's good to have you back. You asked me before you came on, now I'll ask you, do you got the coronavirus yet? Off to this morning in bed and the look my roommate gave me, <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think so. Not yet. Yeah, as a person who suffers normally from allergies and sniffles sometimes, there's been a little bit of, uh, yeah, trying to hold it back. And then being in the Starbucks and being like, <clears throat> and then getting the side eye and you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, all our classes are online now. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I'm not going back after spring break. Is that, yeah, and did, did they extend spring break? Only by like three days, which cowards do the full week. Okay, Why? okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's not too bad then, but I just, um, yeah, I heard that they, they were extending spring break, and I was just imagining, like, how many dead sophomores will they find in TJ this year? <laughs> They're like, woo! <laughs> it's corona time. Yeah, no kidding. Um <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you, uh, as somebody who is closely connected to the world of Star Trek publishing, what did you think about the news that CBS and Viacom are looking to sell off Simon & Schuster, publishers of Star Trek books? Um. (laughs) Oh, did you just learn about that news right now? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Every week you tell me some shocking piece of information. This is just the Ella Surprise Corner at the top of the show. (laughs) Um. Uh, interesting. I can um, give you I can give you a little background on the decision. Uh, it turns out this was on a conference call, or or perhaps uh, I think uh, CEO of Viacom CBS Bob Bakish was talking to uh, some investors, like a Morgan Stanley meeting, and he said that they are trying to focus on their sort of core competencies at the company, which is the video streaming business. And books and publishing does not fit into that picture of their business. And so that's why they are looking to perhaps sell it to somebody. And he said that they've had offers. But to me, that sounds like, oh, yeah, you know, I got a girlfriend in Canada. Yeah, you know, so it sounds like they're trying to uh, sort of inflate the chances of selling this thing. But it is worth uh, a billion to one point five billion dollars, according to some estimates, the publishing wing. Whew. Well, I, uh, I, to be honest, I do my best to avoid all the, the, the business majors at the U, so I don't know what, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what exactly goes into that decision. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm, it'll be interesting to see what, <laughs> what happens. Yeah, it certainly will. Um, I, uh, you know, another uh, news story from the world of uh, Viacom CBS is that they're not doing very good. That's one of the reasons I think they're looking to streamline because a lot of people have criticized their streaming strategy. Um, and I don't know a lot about streaming strategies. All I know is I see a lot of Star Trek on TV. So I think that side is doing well. But I guess when I think about it, I can't think of like the good fight, maybe. Like, I'm not sure what else would really draw people to CBS All Access. And so I think there is a lack of investor confidence 
that has sort of devalued them a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've talked before about how I'm totally fine at this point with them just, you know, putting some lipstick on and just pimping this thing out and trying to get, (laughs) you know, as much Star Trek out there as possible, see what works. But the other side of that coin is looking at it from a very business-like kind of mercenary perspective and saying, what, is it eight ninety five a pop per book? Like, that's not bringing us anything. And just getting rid of the publishing wing, which has been around for God knows how long. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, they're in this... They find it's like Star Trek's making like not that it ever not that it needed a comeback, but like to use the word comeback, like Star Trek is having this comeback, and now like now you're gonna sell the you know, know what I mean? I it's know, like yeah. you're instead of, but um, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I really, I mean, yeah, I was concerned about all access from the beginning because it seemed clear to me that Star Trek was really the only the biggest thing they had going for them, which is fine because I think both of us and plenty of other nerds are happy happy to pay. You know that it's. I think it's pretty cheap, you know, to watch new Star Trek every, you know, however often. But um, yeah, uh, it's uh, I think streaming's a streaming's a beginning to be a bit of a tough world. Got Netflix, yeah, Amazon, everything. To September twenty eighteen to now, so that's what like uh, one year. I mean, they've got almost two years. Well, they got two years of streaming. From me, I don't know if anybody else yeah. has stayed subscribed to CBS All Access um, at uh, nine ninety nine or whatever I'm paying. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, I think everybody, you know, sees everybody sees the fruit uh, at the top of the tree, and not everybody is exactly sure how they're going to get there, but they're climbing. And so, um, we'll see what uh, shakes loose as we get up the tree. To finish that <laughs> metaphor, I guess, in a weird way. Uh, But anyway, we'll keep an eye on that and we'll let you know if we hear anything different. But it is great to have you back on the show. Uh, A lot, of course, has happened since you've been gone. And we've just seen the eighth episode of Star Trek Picard, an episode called Broken Pieces. And we're here to talk all about it. But first, as always, a warning. We're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners. So be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episodes, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Broken Pieces is, when devastating truths behind the Mars attack are revealed, Picard realizes just how far many will go to preserve secrets stretching back generations, all while the La Serena crew grapples with the secrets and revelations of their own. Nerissa directs her guards to capture Elnor, setting off an unexpected chain of events on the Borg Cube. This episode was written by Michael Shaben, and I think it's uh, enough said at this point. If you don't know who this guy is, I can't help you. Uh, it was directed by Maya Vervillo, who's also a name that we're hearing a lot of recently. She directed The Impossible Box, another episode of Picard. The date for this episode is still 2399, but we do return to the flashbacks uh, structure. In this one, we get a flashback to 2385, 14 years before the main timeline of the episode. And I don't really have any fun facts for this episode. Um I think all the uh, all the all the juice is on screen here. You know, this one's a banger, and we have a lot to talk about <laughs> as it is. Uh, what do you think of Broken Pieces? Um, I I really really liked it. I almost I I I wish almost that it had these events that happened over two episodes because it felt like they had so much going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I wasn't like overwhelmed. I just after it finished, I was like. Oh my god! Actually, that was like a lot of really good stuff all in one episode. Um, 
but no, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed these past. I enjoyed the past two as well a lot. Yeah. So they're really, yeah, getting in their groove. I think hopefully they'll stay in it. This is the other side of that coin where it's like, well, it's kind of slow. And okay, well, that you were waiting for an episode like this, where even though it's fifty-six minutes long and probably half of it is talking, uh, not all exposition, uh, expositional talking, but a lot of expositional talking, and yet things are happening. Not just physical things and action, but, you know, emotional action, if you will, and payoffs. And, um, yeah, this is uh, not – well, I mean, if you think of the next episode, because it is a two-parter, the next two, uh, this is really the penultimate sort of chapter, and I think it shows, because lots going down. Yeah, well, I love – it's like we're all right there with Rafi, like, in this episode, like – she's putting the clues together she's like figuring everything out and it's like it just feels like oh we're all there we're right there we know almost everything like yeah yeah, and it it feels it feels good to see that i mean you know she's been kind of putting things together over the course of the series but to not have her uh whose character has been touted as being the the big picture uh kind of person that can put things together to not have her kind of figure it out would have been a letdown Akin to the slight letdown that I felt last week uh, when she couldn't figure out. I think I was sure that she was going to figure out uh, that Agnes's deal, you know, but instead yeah. we get one more episode where she's just like, have some cake. Uh, and then just to maybe draw it out a little bit, Rios is like, oh, I think maybe it's Raffi. And it's like, no, she's right in front of you. The murderer I is barfing Rios on your shoes. I thought Rios was playing her. Oh, I thought yeah, that he was yeah. saying that to Agnes so that Agnes would be like, oh, my God, no, it's not her. It's me. You can't blame Rafi. And then yeah. he just sent it. And I was like, boof. Yeah. OK, well. What, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> could have, would have, should have. But uh, <laughs> it all turned out OK. Um, we get a uh, at the beginning of the episode, we get a flashback to the entire show, basically, up to this point. Like we see almost everything except uh, Dodge blowing up in the beginning. And um, we get a flashback to uh, what has been described, what we've seen in flashes previously, um, this vision of the uh, women standing around um, this device and getting this speech that it turns out is coming from Commodore O. And they are on uh, Aya, the grief world, (laughs) which is like, uh, yeah, it's it's not a, you know, it's fun. It's a nice vacation spot. Uh, Go hang out there. Listen, they have grief, they have anger, they have bargaining. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They got a gnashing of teeth world. Oh, boy, you don't want to go there. (laughs) Uh, Do we talk theories now or do we just let them play out over the course of the episode? Um, Well, here's – I was going to ask I feel like a lot of our cyber chickens are coming home to roost here. Yes. The tinfoil hats have just – have turned into – magnifying glasses i don't know but <laughs> swans like the tinfoil swan you get from yes. the restaurant yeah oh my god yes um do okay two things number one this vision they're all having do we think that's a real somebody had a a premonition of a future with sense and that's what they saw like, do we think that's real in in whatever way in whatever tiny way do we think that's real or is that like propaganda well, that is interesting. That's something that I don't think that we have talked about previously on the show. If somebody had the ability to kind of in the pale moonlight this, you know, plant some kind of false flag memory. That's a cool idea. But I think that the implication, uh, what we had theorized about on earlier episodes, um, is true that it is uh, this ancient memory that has been passed down from uh, person to person, possibly woman to woman uh, in the uh, Zatvash 
organization. Um, some this this happened a long, long time ago, or uh, you know, for, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I don't know. Maybe it would ex- exist in the fossil record. <laughs> maybe we should know yeah. about this. <laughs> But There's something, like cave drawings of them standing see, yeah, around. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> with Romulan caves. Um, but it seems like yeah that this did happen. Like something bad happened. And Picard, there's no number on it until late in the episode, I believe. Like Picard says, two hundred thousand years. And I wasn't exactly sure where he got that, but it would put that pretty safely into like the galactic past as far as you know intelligent spacefaring life is concerned so it's possible that this could have happened so long ago that something terrible happened and uh most memory of it was lost but somehow this memory was passed on that's that's what i was getting out of it yeah i don't know i just it's well it's fishy tinfoil yeah. is here <laughs> well i don't i don't disagree <laughs> <laughs> um but then my other thing is like so um What's her face? Commander? Commander O? Commodore O? Commodore. Um, is she, like, how deep is Starfleet in this? Because, like, is she a full double agent? Like, she's, like, working for the Romulans, and so that's why... Well, everybody like, said... I, I want to make... connection with Starfleet... I want to make this clear. Everybody says the Romulans, and I heard the Romulans when they were sort of laying it out at the picnic table. And it's not the Romulans; it's the it's the Zat Vash. You're right. You know, they you're right. They're working on their own. <laughs> yeah, right. When Section Thirty One does some does something, it's not the Federation, although in some ways it is. But it's it's Section Thirty One. Um, I don't know. I you know I got the idea when O was talking about in that opening narration about. Um, the foremothers and guarding this storehouse of memories that it's they're you know working on their own and I think that it's the plan was to insert her into a powerful organization so she'd have the ability to affect events and it turns out that apparently she was not only a secret agent but also uh, very talented at administration and was able to rise to the rank <laughs> of Commodore and Chief of Starfleet Security but that's how these things work and so she was in a position to help orchestrate the attack on Mars and then also probably guide the public response to it, the intended effect, which was a ban on synthetic life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I... Um, it's like, it feels like we finally have, we have more answers, you know what I mean? Because it feels like the first few episodes, all we had were questions, and now we have more answers, but now I'm like... Okay, but I need the specifics. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, I want to know. I feel very similar, especially in an episode where this is clearly the episode where they wanted to just lay it all out. Like they wanted you yeah. to have no questions or at least very few questions. And they even at the late at the eleventh hour bring in a totally new element of this, which we'll talk about in a bit, which is Rios's involvement in this. It's not that he's just some disillusioned Starfleet officer. No, no, no. He's directly connected to what we're talking about, which is just perfect. I hate things like that. It makes the galaxy feel like three blocks wide. But, you know, it's an adventure, epic adventure story. That's mm-hmm. what we've got. But all these women are viewing uh, or experiencing the admonition, they call it. And uh, it's not great. It's uh, like watching Jack and Jill, uh, the Adam Sandler movie. You want to hit yourself in the head with a rock and tear your face off. And uh, not great. And we see a vision of a um, sort of robotic face that sort of morphs into data. And we see, <laughs> did we, I didn't go back through it frame by frame, but I thought I saw like, 
a dead and decaying fox or something? Which uh, imme- yes. <laughs> immediately put me in the mind of uh, Antichrist, Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Oh. I don't know if you've seen that, but there is a scene where mm-hmm. a fox is uh, basically dying and devouring itself. And then it goes, chaos reigns. <laughs> so that's what it <laughs> Uh, it's a weird movie. Uh, I don't know what they were trying to evoke there. But anyway, uh, it's real bad. And Rizzo is the only person who's like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so I don't know if that means that she has the mental uh, power to handle it or if she was just already screwed up enough to be like, yeah, it's, uh, it's up my alley. And O's like, see me after class. Good job. Let's do a Mars. Should, let's, She's let's like, oh, my Mars. God, you're not tearing your face off. So let's talk later. Yeah, right. Oh my so, god! I mean, I think the whole it seemed the whole the like flashback slash flash forward memory thing. I feel like to me, well, the thing with the fox especially is just like, like they're, they're just trying to do. Oh my god, what's it called? The like, um, God, I hate it. The like modern art, like v- like videos where they it's just it'll be just like like maggots and then like so, like a lady screaming and just like weird stuff to just make you feel bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like uh, 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 Dolly slicing a woman's eyeball, uh, the yeah. Or whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just um, so pretty, like, oh my god, ew! And then like the music's too loud. Like I feel like they just showed <laughs> all of them like some yeah. what I like. It's like they went, they paid to get into some wonderful museum in the future, and they got in, and it was just like a video of a dead fox and yeah. robots screaming. All the, all the shot fox are like, oh, gross. No, <laughs> they take their robes off and just leave. Yeah. They're like, why would we even come to this museum? I knew it was oh. going to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be uh, white wine. Come on. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely meant to uh, to not only motivate, uh, let us understand somebody like Rizzo more, but also let us um, really uh, you know understand that no, uh, Agnes wasn't mind controlled or anything like that. It's just the power of this vision, which they don't show us great stuff, but it's like one of the, it's like the, it's like, you know, the ring or whatever. Like, yeah, they show us the tape and it's supposed to be like, oh my God, what's happening on this tape? But it's just like a lady in a well and some horses or something. And it's like, wait, that's it. <laughs> it can't be properly. It has to be mentally uh, shared with you. You know, it's not just visions. You're probably feeling emotions and things as well. But here's something else. The, the, the more we see of her, and I'm so glad that they've got Rizzo away from Narek and she's doing stuff. Couple things. One, I I like Rizzo. I like her as a character now, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to identify with her because she's awful. But she goes right up to that line of, I guess I kind of understand why she's doing this, and it isn't. I don't know. Here's what popped into my head. Remember um, Rufio or whatever from Star Trek Insurrection, <laughs> the F. Mary Abraham character. <laughs> no. Insurrection. You know the the stretch face guys, the silly putty face guys. I right, don't bit. worry about it. Anyway, <laughs> they want to they want to steal the Baku's planet, and it's partially to like keep you know themselves young, but it's also because they're their families and they're they're resentful, they're bratty kids or whatever, and so mostly that's like not identif- or uh, relatable uh, motivation. Like that's just bad. But she's like a terrible person who kills characters that we know and love, and like just shoots innocent people down. But it's kind of like because she. She's a zealot. She like does she really believes that the universe will be destroyed if she doesn't do this. And yeah. she has connections to here's something. Here's a lead that's been held the entire show. 
uh, to her auntie or whatever, who like raised her and Narek, we find out in this mm-hmm. episode. And so she's experiencing a lot of things and she's bad. And I, I don't want to like her, <laughs> but, but I, but I kind of like her. I think they honestly, I think part of it is like her performance. Yeah. I've never, uh, actresses, she and Narek, uh, um, Peyton List is the actress's name. Yes. And I've never seen her in anything where she wasn't just, um, hot girlfriend, you know, oh, really? I've never really been impressed with her. Um, but this is, you know, give somebody a good role and <laughs> look, look, look what happens. Yeah, I mean, well, it's also like, I feel like every week I complain about, like, Narek being, like, slimy, off-brand Ethan Peck. But it's like, <laughs> literally, it's because he's doing such a good job of being creepy on, like, this baseline level. Yeah. And so is she. And, yeah, it's amazing. And I also, yeah, I love a villain where their, like, reason for doing whatever we think is evil is actually like good like she's like oh the entire like everything will be destroyed i believe horrible things will happen therefore yeah i'm doing like this this and this is like satisfying for me every time don't know why i don't remember auntie's name her character name um but i'm wondering what her future is because we spend a little time with her at the beginning here as uh larissa is talking to her and then um, we don't see her. So I don't know if she's on the cube still or if they take her you know, with their ships when they leave. Um, but I think it's also really convenient that not only was she one of the women who um, – the Zatvash who got to view the admonition, yeah. but she also was assimilated on the Telciar ship. I know, right? God. Also, we could let Soji learn about tarot cards or, or circles or whatever. <laughs> but again, it's only three blocks wide. <laughs> Uh, in another part of the cube, uh, looks like uh, Elnor is in trouble. He's set upon by a bunch of Romulans, but Seven shows up, uh, I think, which we expected. We had seen in the preview, uh, and she's there to help out, which is great. Uh, we move over to uh, La Serena, and Rios sees Soji, and he kind of freaks out a little. And to the point where, at this point, when you've got traitors on board, you've got sleeper agents, you've got robots that are girls... When somebody starts to freak out, you don't just go, hey, hey, get on it. You you got to medical scan them. You got to do something. You know, immediately put a force field around them or, or something. But we just let this go because this is going to be Rios's arc for this episode. Uh, he takes off. Um, Rafi immediately tells Picard, yeah, uh, Agnes was the spy. Uh, you're, you're really bad at this, JL. You're bad at... Uh, putting groups together, you're bad at being uh, a spy or whatever it is you think you're trying to do. I kind of start, I kind of like how she is with him, where <laughs> yeah. she's just like so, it's like almost no filter. She's like, guess what, stupid? You just got back, and like it's like, yeah. <laughs> he's been there two seconds, she's like, guess what, you're an idiot, and I'm gonna shoot your friend we've been searching for for however long. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's just uh, sort of like, duh, duh. Uh, <laughs> I know. But that's okay, I, because... I think- I love that he, like, we all love Picard. He was a very good captain, good man, good character. But I love that he is flawed in this series the way an old man would be flawed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, he's kind of like, he almost has tunnel vision and, like, he's like, I don't know how to describe it, but I just, you know what I mean? It's like he's not like the, this this is a very, like, easy, simple example. Like, the thing with him not being able to fly the ship. He's like, wait, I can't fly the ship. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a less like a like a weaker character would just be like flying the ship. No problem. But he yeah. like is an old man and he's been on his vineyard for forever. And he yeah, I don't know. I love it. He will believe anything Facebook tells him. Yeah, it's exactly. I understand. It's just exactly. that 
stage of life that you reach. <laughs> Uh, but in the office, uh, we have a, another appearance, a holographic appearance by Admiral Clancy, and Picard gets to get his back. He's like, hey, uh, those windmills were giants, and you can apologize to me now. And Admiral Pottymouth <laughs> also <laughs> delivers the F-bombs, but we turns out she is going to send some ships. And so there we go. Um, the scene after this begins a... A sort of subplot that runs through this episode that I'm sure everybody on the internet thinks is really cute, but annoys me to no end. And that is Rafi going and talking to all of the emergency holograms. We meet a new one, the navigational hologram, Enoch. At what point are holograms not emergency holograms? Wait, we met the navigational, we met him before, didn't we? Earlier on. All right, there you go. I thought that's the engineering one new though, the Scottish one. Oh yeah, why not? (laughs) <laughs> I don't care. I don't. I think like this is dumb. Eight. This thing was fifty-six minutes long. We could have cut out the detective story where she gets the five guys together, and I'm sure Santiago Cabrera is having a good time testing out all his accent work. But eh, oh, I he's done really, without this. He is trying that Irish accent. He is trying so hard. Yeah, he's he is doing his absolute best, and it is close. so. It is almost there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he'll have it by season two. So, I mean, it's far better than anything I could ever do, but God, it's so close. Maybe they're programmed to be, uh, that's part of the degradation of the program. A little off, like uh, E-M-H. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do love, I love this for Rafi's character, though. I love the payoff of her, like, she's like this crazy conspiracy theorist. No one believes her. And then this episode, she gets to do her thing where she's like, no, I know you know yeah. this. I'm going to figure it out. I, something's happening. And she she puts it all together. Like, yeah. I thought it was after silly. her whole thing, after her, like, I mean, it, it was, but after her, like, after her son was so, like, ruthless with her, and then she gets to, like, have this payoff. But, yeah, um, yeah. But what it if... did, I do think it was, it was a little too long to be cute. You are <laughs> yeah, right. Was... The cuteness stopped after a minute. Cuteness has a mileage, yeah. Um, yeah. But what if she wasn't stuck on the ship, and she, let's say that she disembarked at Free Cloud, and then this was, you know, all side scenes of her off La Serena, like, you know, t- t- bracing people and, like, hacking into stuff and, like, doing her own sort of side thing and then coming back with, I've got it. She's – there's eight stars. You know, that's what the conclave is. Is a conclave eight stars? Conclave's like people. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't learn anything in astronomy. So I <laughs> <laughs> it's eight stars. That's all we need to know. Um, back on the cube, uh, seven and nine's like, let's steal a cube. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. Uh, every control surface is holographic, which I don't know. That's probably how things are going to be in the future. But I can see now why Tom Paris liked having those levers and dials in the Delta Flyer. It just feels a little more solid, a little more sci-fi. But I mean, levers and dials are fun, but so are freaking holograms that you can just snatch. You know what I mean? And no coronavirus. Exactly. Kendra, <laughs> no hand sanitizer. No services. Right. So don't have to like wipe down my keyboard with Lysol. <laughs> right. Yes. Or just spray the Febreze in the air. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she is setting the cube to regenerate and Rizzo's like, okay, we got to kill everybody. Let's get on that. Um, there's, we cut back to the Serenia for uh, one of the best conversations or scenes, I think, in the episode between Soji and Picard. And it's the whole, so I'm a robot talk, you know, like, do I even like eggs? And Picard is very focused on his investment in this relationship, which is her connection to data. And he sort of leads with that. And um, it kind of ends up being being about Picard (laughs) instead of Soji. Uh, I think that her 
fears are uh, quelled quickly. But of course, you know, she's we'll delve into that later. But I like the well, fact that... that we got into Picard's connection to Data and we get him to really admit that, yeah, he he, he loved him. And Data was in, in a lot of ways something of a son to Picard, whether or not he realized that. And I love the fact that he said not that Data couldn't feel emotions, because I think we all know that Data Data did feel emotions. But his capacity. Bro, when he cried when he found Spot, I well, he had no the chip. Of... But I mean, like even before the chip. Come on. Uh, but Picard said that his capacity to feel those emotions were limited, and that they had that in common. And I was like, okay, that, that's that's good writing. It was it was really good, and I love. I mean, clearly his uh, connection to Data is such a big part of this entire series. Yeah. But I I wish that when she was like, do I even like eggs? I don't know. I wish he'd been like, I mean, you, you if you like that you're eating them, kind of. It seems right. like maybe you just feel average about eggs. That's you fine. Eat, therefore, you you do. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I wish he had been like. I mean, you don't Cogito have to. ego. Sorry. Go ahead. It's just like whether or not you were programmed to like eggs. If you like eggs, that's great. Have the eggs. Like I wish he had been like, bro. It's just relax. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which came first? Is that what they're doing? The uh, the egg or the the, yeah, the egg or the, the programming? Yeah. Uh, we we <laughs> get out of that. Uh, we cut back to uh, of course uh, Raffi doing her thing. Um, I liked when. <laughs> okay, all right. So the holograms are growing on me, but she gets the hol- uh, the hospitality program back. She's like, "Yeah, uh, hit me up. I need a drink." And he's like, "No, you uh, said no drinks." Uh, you turned off the override, you turned off the meta override, and I don't know what a meta override is, but it's the name of my new band. I know that for sure. And uh, so we got that going on. We cut to uh, Rios's quarters where he's hanging out. And like, t- does this appeal to you? <laughs> Can I ask you as a viewer and as a woman, is this cool? This guy seems so cheesy to me. Like he's got his, he's got records, man, and he's oh, he's got the stranger. He's got all these existential books. He's you know, he's, he's a real deep thinker. Like, is this cool? Because it just seems like, come on. Like, am I? Like, if I met him in college, I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, he's so cool. I bet he if has I... like all Camus <laughs> books in his room. Um, it's it it's a little extra, but. <laughs> I feel like the whole thing with everyone, nobody in the future watches TV or like really like there's not really Hollywood movies. There's not like a summer blockbuster. You know what I well, mean? So like that. him, I guess. But like so him having the records, I'm kind of like, OK, because I feel like <laughs> other, you know, other in Star Trek. Otherwise, they're like, oh, my God, a, a book like, you know, so I don't yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> but, He's got um... eight books. Yeah. <laughs> um... Crazy. And he's listening to Billie Holiday. I love Billie Holiday, too. But, you know, we couldn't – this is a chance to not do that thing where everybody loves 20th century media. Like, I'm sure if you go to Michael Shabin's house, he's got a bunch of Billie Holiday records. But we couldn't have done – something that's just a little – I don't know. It's just a a quick note. Yeah, well, they had the shot of the the Surak book, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Then, like – but it's that – he was reading that other book the whole time, which, you know, isn't – you know, Vulcan ideology. Yeah, this guy was definitely a drummer in a band in Starfleet Academy. Oh, yes. And just like a a band that was like bad in a good way. (laughs) Like they were bad. You're like, yeah, I don't like it, but it like slaps, you know what I mean? Beautifully awful. Yeah, right. Uh, We we see that he has a cigar box. I guess we know they make cigars. So I guess there's cigar boxes still. 
and it's full of pips and things and a tiny skull, which is some kind of reference that I didn't get. And he pulls out a picture of him and his old captain and a drawing of him. And I think it was supposed to be like a reveal, but you can just see like through the back of the drawing that it's yeah. it, a woman that looks like Soji. Mm-hmm. And we also see that he was, um, I mean, he, this is revealed in dialogue later, but he was serving on the USS Ibn Mahid, uh, a sovereign class vessel. Yeah, I don't know. I This is one of the parts of the episode where I was like, I don't know why we're taking this long to do this. Minutes. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. It was like, like, because the whole mystery thing with Raffi was kind of working for me, but then the whole th- just cutting to him in his quarters, just like drunk, like <laughs> trying to open this thing. I'm like, why are you wasted? And it's just a drawing. Like, it's not even a picture. It's a drawing. Like, well, I mean, but, we um, find out later that it was, you know, there was a double murder and a double murder yeah, suicide. I mean, no, yes, yeah. <laughs> And that, I mean, no, that final scene was very, that was very good. It's called Broken Pieces, Ella. Come on. (laughs) He's broken. He's (laughs) listening to records. Uh, We go back to the cube and things are are moving here. It looks like Seven is, uh, she's considering uh, basically plugging back into the cube and creating something of a micro collective. She'll be the new Hugh and having um, these Borg be able to defend themselves. And it, again, it's one of those things where I guess you don't want it introduced in the same scene they do it. But when you do it in this scene, you know that when they, when we come back to these guys, that's what they're going to do. Like, that's just how these shows work. Um, and they will do that in a little bit. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to skip over where we talk about <laughs> where Rafi talks to the five uh, holograms. <laughs> Although it was interesting to find out that um, Rios, um, they say that he suffered... Some kind of brain damage, which is part of the reason that he... I thought uh, they said breakdown. Oh, breakdown. Okay. So, see, my closed captioning doesn't work. <laughs> but I, I understand the breakdown, um, and it is beautifully and wonderfully and terribly uh, brought to screen by having five different versions of him. I get it. <laughs> uh, in Sick Bay, Agnes wakes up, and Picard is basically like, hey, welcome back. Uh, you're going to turn yourself in? And she's like, okay. And he's like, why did you kill him? Mild, I'm mild shock. Uh, and she tells him all about what happened. Um, and you know, I don't, it's all the way that it's the way that modern shows work now. Like, I don't like it when characters reveal something like as soon as we learn about it in the narrative, Mm -hmm. like we just saw basically what, I mean, they've been hinting at it, but at the beginning of the episode, we see the admonition. And then now that we've seen it, she reveals it to Picard and it's mm-hmm. like modern TV doesn't care much about dramatic irony, it seems. Like, I think it's okay for, like, us to learn about something and the characters on the show to be ignorant of it. But instead, we just – it just feels like she's – and even just from a narrative perspective, she's just repeating something that we just literally just saw and learned. Yeah, that's a good point to make, actually. So anyway, it's just a little – I know we only have only got 10 episodes, but I wish that we could sometimes – you know, stagger these reveals a little more. Well, but, yeah, or like hold, like keep the suspense a little yeah. bit longer for the audience. You know what I Discovery mean? Discovery like, did this a lot too, where we we don't know who the angel is for ten episodes, and now we do. And then in like two or three episodes, we're in a giant fight, you know, with control and AIs yeah. and everything, and it's it all comes to a head. Uh, she tells him that she can't tell him the whole thing because um, of a psychic block, which I found was interesting. Um, but the vision's very old and. Uh, 
uh, synthetic life will destroy us all if we don't destroy it. So we've heard that before. Um, back to Rios. Uh, looks like Rafi finally does get in and talk to him. And he kind of tells her the whole situation, which is this is all new information for us at a very late date. But he was on the uh, Ibn Mahid and he really cared about his captain. He was something of a father figure to him. Um, they found a ship that was a weird ship. It was a first contact situation. They didn't know these people. And they brought two people aboard, um, an ambassador named Beautiful Flower and Jana, this woman that looked like Soji. And they had a good time. A good time is had by all. Much French fries and peppermint ice cream. Uh, and then the captain gets a call. Ring, ring. Oh, uh, he shoots them both and kills them. And then we find out that it's a um, an order, a black flag order from Starfleet Security. And the captain was so traumatized and Rios really tore into him about it that he uh, killed himself. And the whole thing was covered up. And it left uh, Rios with a post-traumatic dysphoria and he and Rafi basically put together that uh, they were they were synths. Uh, that's what was going on here, even at that date. And we're not given an exact date of when this happens. Um, but uh, even then, they didn't want uh, they they had a, a standing order to get rid of synths. And I got to say that um, Santiago was pretty good in this episode, uh, this uh, thing as well. Um, I know he's trying all his, all his accents, but when he's uh, doing this emotional scene, I thought that he was really great. A lot of good acting. No, that's what I was going to say too. He, episode. yeah. Yeah, he. That was a very standout scene for him. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Same uh, with we, same with uh, even though her the who God who what's the name of the girl who plays, uh, Agnes in that scene where Allison she's Pilt. yes it's like we it's like even though we already know the information it's like I was very like yeah. taken by her performance they really I mean she did you see Newsroom? Um, that was the show that she was in, right? Uh, no, I've seen Scott Pilgrim though. <laughs> no anyway uh she's a side character in that um i mean yeah, she's, she's amazing in scott pilgrim but she i mean <laughs> newsroom crazy and so yeah they i'm happy that they well gave i might have to suffer i might have to suffer some sorkin to see a good performance <laughs> i was just going to talk about her actually because uh soji and agnes are meeting up now uh and finally we get the um the meeting of the creator in a way uh with her creation and she is fascinated by <laughs> she eats and sleeps. We stopped before poop, but uh, I, I was kind of looking for – like I get that it's like this amazing – it's it's real. This thing is real. But I thought she'd have some more complicated scientific things that she wanted to know you know, about her. And I think that that would have offset more Soji's just plaintive question, do you think that I'm a person? Do you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I eat, I sleep, I pee, whatever. But But I also feel like that's like – those are kind of even the, it sounds so simple, but those I feel like are kind of the complicated parts of like building an Android because like data essentially was perfect, but he didn't really. Eat. <laughs> Do you use contractions? <laughs> yeah, that's what I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> like, and uh, I don't know, but I mean, I wish I do wish I I thought it was very it was interesting, I think, for Agnes's character that she had such trouble answering that question. Yeah. Like, because she clearly was so, like, I don't know, because I was, when I was watching the scene, I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Like, she loves her so much because she is a per she's really kind of, she's almost no longer a synth. Like, she they've made, like, a living, like, like a being. And then so just yeah. like, am I a person? And she's like, ooh, uh, that's tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, that's an uh, interesting interpretation. I was kind of comparing it to... Like the time that uh, Laura and Data met uh, Dr. Sung. And mm -hmm. it wasn't 
and I, this is all, you know, this is something that's written 30 years ago or whatever, but it wasn't, it didn't have the same feeling. He was just sort of like looking like behind their ears and like, you know, grabbing their head and looking at parts and they're like, oh yeah, it seems like you're going pretty good. Like you're checking up on a car yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I did like the fact that this had the quality of, you know, it's, it's my baby. Like, look, we made her, you know, it, it felt more emotional. It was a very different than, than Data's relationship to his creator, which I thought was, was really good. Yeah, it was it was also like a little bit like her being like, oh, my God, the beauty marks like like, oh, like, oh, my God, you're perfectly imperfect because your skin is in flaw. I was like, OK, let's just take a yeah. <laughs> half step back, Agnes. But um, no, yeah, Fanta. And like, yeah, what a comparison of two scenes, honestly. As much as I complain about like how detail and like techno babble isn't like plot or character or story development, I would like a little information about. What's going on here? Because they – okay, I get that they made her and she is, from what we understand, flesh and blood but with a positronic brain, either artificial or an organic positronic brain maybe? Who knows? Um, but like when she's got – oh, you've got the moles or whatever. She's got a crooked toe. Like did they gin her up in a lab? Like how could there – how is there a planet where they're all from? I mean, we're going to get our answers like next that, week, but yeah, I think the homeworld thing is a little bit. It's like you know, it's like where Soong made data, and Lord, it's like so it's your homeworld, but like I don't think that there's just like data, yeah, yeah. There's not. I don't think there's like you know, however many dozens more just like carbon copies of Soji walking around that plane. You know what I mean? Like, well, we know there's one. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh. moving on (laughs) back on the uh back on the cube it's kill 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 uh rizzo's really uh just blasting everybody killing all the innocent borgs and seven's gonna do it she plugs herself into the thing and uh it's bad news uh her spine glows and her eyes turn black and i don't want to be a pedant here he lied but uh Whatever it is that turns her eyes black, I don't know what it is, but, you know, one of her eyes is, like, organic and one of them's artificial, right? So just just a note there <laughs> for people who are paying attention. But whatever. We are Borg. Uh, one, more, one more time. And it's weird. Again, the sequence of events here is confusing because you never understand exactly what the effect is or the reason that they're doing this is. Uh, and then the bad guys do something and it's like, well, that, how does that affect that? And then something else happens because as soon as she plugs in, great news. Uh, the board cube is regenerating, but then the uh, Zatvash pull the lever and shoot like all the Borgs into space. Like they're all sucked out. Correction, blown out uh, yeah. into the vacuum. So, what did Seven save? The ones that weren't by the door, maybe. I mean, I think that I think she failed, right? Um, I guess, but th- there wasn't like a. Th- you know, there was one no. Uh, for the trailer, and then later on, it drops her off, and she's got work to do. Um, but we don't. Get, I didn't get the sense that it's like every so useless. Like I put three holes in my jacket for nothing uh, because all the Borgs died. Yeah. Well, I think maybe. I mean, maybe it's the uh, like it's. It, well, it was the ones that they hadn't tried to reclaim yet, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, like the ones maybe the other ones are fine. Yeah, they're kind of all have disruptor holes in them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I know. I, that was part. I really wish we had had more. <laughs> we had more of of seven there because that was a big decision for her. I feel like, and it was. I mean, it was really good, but I wanted 
more. I just want I'm sure, more. Well, I'm sure she'll be in the next two for sure. Um, yeah. That's the thing about spectacle. That's the thing about like, you know, violence and murder. It, it, it doesn't, it just becomes spectacle if we don't have something to to hang it on emotionally. You know, when. Really? Because I was kind of, when I Hugh take, pleased. Sorry, you go. Well, well, just when Hugh takes a knife, it's like, oh, that guy, was, he was in the TNG and he's a nice guy and. Uh, he, he continued to be a nice guy, you know, 25 years later and it's horrible that he died and like seeing thousands and thousands of Borg drones just be sucked into the void. Each one of them. Yeah. I mean, theoretically could be a hue and somebody who could accomplish something, but I don't know any of these guys. It's just, it all takes place over 20 seconds and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to cry I- over them. We're never going to hear about that again. Yeah. I mean, you're right about that part. When I was watching it, I was like. I was like, this is an interesting, like, exclamation point because they've spent all season, we spent all season, like, learning that, I mean, like what Picard said, like, oh my god, you can, like... They're victims. Well, and that you can, like, reclaim them on this massive scale, and so then Seven, like, launches it, and you're, like, ready, and so then when, when they all get blown out i was like oh my god they literally were so close to being saved those like each of those is a person and now they're gone you know no no i get no like absolutely like rizzo did a genocide like 100 Mm percent. but i just you know you describing that to me that's the particulars of the plot that's what happened but i don't Mm -hmm. i just don't emotionally it didn't didn't hit you yeah Yeah. i'm not really connecting with it um because like well those scenes were fast though too yeah they really are and you know at the beginning of the show it's like oh we've got a borg cube well i wonder if (laughs) i wonder if it's going to get activated again and a lot of borgs are going to die um but that's what happened uh back on the ship uh la serena um (laughs) agnes lets everybody know she's done murdering people so that's great um peppermint ice cream and french fries i could see how that would work and can you we've well you never dipped a french fries into into ice cream yeah vanilla oh okay sorry (laughs) well she's a robot what do you want um and we've got a situation here which whoa 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 wait 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 here what uh we've got a thing where this again reminds me i mentioned this on discovery in season two um the the similarities to the mass effect video game series where in discovery we have a situation where Research into artificial intelligence leads to a war of the robots type situation that screws everything up. Now, in this, they were talking about, we, of course, we have a similar, it's been pointed out before, we have a similar situation to Discovery in which we're, a secret society is trying to stop an AI from developing. But somebody mentions, it's an offhanded comment by Rios, that like when you go warp speed, somebody shows up. We have a paradigm shift. We have a quantum leap in your society. Things are going to change. But the implication that I got was, Somebody shows up when you develop AI as well, which is the exact plot of Mass Effect. There are beings outside of the galaxy that sit and wait and watch for somebody to develop AI. And then after AI is developed over the course of, you know, X amount of years, it will take over all civilization. And so these beings come in and wipe everybody out and start all over. And it was like, that's, wait a minute, that sounds like what this is. Bizarre. Maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows how many Star Trek nerds were working on <laughs> Mass Well, Effect. yeah, and who knows what books um, and sci-fi novels uh, the people that developed oh, yeah. both series were uh, reading. But I just wanted to point that out. Um, I'm still I feel super like con- also, I feel like, 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 like people are fascinated by, like, androids and sci-fi, but it's also, like, the fear. It's like an other, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this 
deep-seated fear. It's like you create this thing within the thing. I mean, it's Frankenstein. It's really racist of you. I mean, I mean, you know what? You're right, and I'll be uh, signing off. <laughs> well, it's uh, <laughs> no. I mean, it absolutely is. And although, I mean, at this point, <laughs> we couldn't have. Well, we're kind of having it now, I guess. But like, you couldn't have another measure of a man in 2399. Like, we've proved over. It's like if Data was alive, he's just a person, right? I mean, in th- except for but then in they theory, banned. Yes. Well, I, I mean, yep. It's not just the name of a TNG episode. I don't know. I'm I'm dialing Melinda Snodgrass right now. <laughs> well, I think he's a person, and I think Melinda would agree with me. Um, this uh, this leads to a revelation by Soji after she wrecks that perfectly good picnic table. Uh, she decides, yeah. screw this. Uh, we're going to my home planet because we've got two episodes left, and because we've got two episodes left, I now have access to all this knowledge that is in me. She seems to be fully activated. And she's doing stuff. She's programming the ship to go somewhere. She's locked everybody out of the bridge or just the part of the hull that is the bridge. Uh, And I loved this is just a dumb little detail, but this is the kind of thing I live for. Uh, She's got everybody locked out, but Rios sings his special magic deactivation lullaby, which gives him override control of the systems again. I mean, Uh, nice to have a back door, though. That was great. Yeah, that's his back door. Uh, That was really great. Uh, but, of course, uh, it doesn't really matter because they're like, oh, no, actually, your plan is the right plan. We're going to find a Borg warp tra- uh, transwarp conduit and just fly right to the planet. Um, and then back on the cube, um, we've got the Borg takedown. Rizzo, what do you think happened to Larissa uh, at the end of the episode? Think she's gone? Uh, I'd be surprised. I thought I saw possibly a Romulan transporter flash right at the end there. While yeah, she was I'd getting be surprised mobbed. if she was gone. Yeah. Yeah. So she's probably okay, and all the Romulan ships just whoop, 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 they're all gone, they're out of there, and it looks like uh, <laughs> Seven's let go, and this whole time, once again, Eleanor is just holding the bag, like, I'll get to do something someday. <laughs> I kind of, honestly, I, like, I really liked him in this episode, <laughs> when <laughs> when Seven is, like, all black-eyed, and he's like, are you going to assimilate me now? Nice. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I know that you're honest all the time, but what? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Like she's plugged in, and you're like, "Uh, so is it? Is it time now?" Am I up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, a uh, Borgified uh, Romulan ninja. I don't know. That's that's too much. <laughs> we were talking about that recently on um, Enterprising Individuals. We were talking about the character of Elnor and how. It's the kind of character, like, if you've ever played role-playing games, you know, you get to choose what your character's going to be, and everybody's got ideas about what they want to try, and there's always that guy that makes, I'm going to make a Romulan ninja from a secret society, and he does flips, he's got a sword, long hair. Feels like an RPG character. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a 15 year old's fan fiction character well i've made that character yeah no i'm not i'm not listen i still read it now and i'm 22 but like listen <laughs> yeah right right uh last scene is on the ship again uh picard and rios are having just just bros just bros time and they're talking about uh captain vandermeer uh who picard knew of course because he knows everybody and he makes the point he tries to make a point to rios um that starfleet it had already betrayed um, – it wasn't just the fact that um, the Zat Vash or the elements within Starfleet. It's that the Federation itself sort of betrayed 
um, its own trust because they went along. They let fear take us over. Fear is the destroyer, he goes on to say. And then he gets interrupted. <laughs> it's just like people don't often interrupt speeches by Picard. But it's like, shut up, old man. We got to go. We got to do, do this thing. We're at the conduit. And they fly through and we see another ship, which uh, I, I, we can assume is Narek's ship. And he follows them. And that's it. I just really like... Even Elnor aside, I feel like the second Narek gets on the bridge and or in proximity of any one of them, it's just like one of them is just going to punch him in the face. <laughs> like the second he opens his mouth, they're going to be like, shut up. Like, right. And he's just going to go down. <laughs> Do you think that – I don't think we've seen this, but does Narek have like uh, mad martial arts skills uh, like his sister? I mean he must have some, but he has the energy of like – a man in my class that won't stop talking about what he thinks are feminist ideas. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> He's like, actually, it's pretty feminist of me to manipulate you into thinking I loved you because I was pretty like equal. Oh, God. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Um, yeah, I would have voted for Warren twice if I could. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe. It, there's. It's interesting to note that, uh, speaking of feminism, um, girls who are bosses, uh, like the Zat Vash are all women, or at least it seems to be that the leadership is, is mainly women. They have uh, male foot soldiers, um, primarily almost. And then, of course, Narek seems to be um, possibly a special case or somebody who has some authority, but everyone that we see is uh, is a woman. And I don't think that we've ever been told, we've definitely seen many female commanders, Romulan commanders, but I don't think we've ever been told right out, at least not on screen, that the Romulans have like a matriarchal society um, in the same way that the um, elements of the Vulcan society are matriarchal. But I wonder if they share that with the Vulcans. I haven't read enough uh, Simon and Schuster novels to know I'm- that. <laughs> If only I could buy more books from yeah, Simon. Yeah, I guess we'll Schuster. never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like maybe it's just one of those like, like, like it's like an ancient thing. It's like, oh yeah, technically they're not like matriarchal anymore, but they have like that history. So maybe there's just like a lot more women in power. I don't know. So you're saying like the idea of what is it, the white goddess or whatever, the idea of um, society before men ruined everything was run <laughs> by uh, women. Yeah, I okay. don't know. I'm not saying. I mean, it, it was it was interesting that they were all women because of the uh, God. What's um? What's uh? Oh my God! What's Elnor's? The oh, lady. The, the, it starts with a Q. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know any Romulans. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, that was interesting to me because I was like, oh my God, it's like, I was like, oh my God, it's yin and yang. It's crazy. (laughs) Well, I don't want to totally sign off on your theory that all civilizations uh, are matriarchal until they become patriarchal. Um, That is your theory, right? But I mean, it's not like with the Vulcans, it's like very, you know what I mean? So it's like if the Romulans come from the Vulcans, but also also like all they could be matriarchal. But I mean, but if assuming (laughs) that's (laughs) assuming that's true, that sort of um, People magazine reading of history, like Mm -hmm. then, you know, a a, a society like the Zatvash, who is Mm -hmm. withholding ideals that are literally hundreds of thousands of years old, it would make sense that they would organize themselves that way. You know, if they're just passing this admonition from uh from female to female then i think yeah. the command structure would just fall in line with that yeah or if they're yeah if they're holding like if their ideals are closer to like 
they're they're like Vulcan, like the ancestry they share with the Vulcans rather than like more modern Romulan society. I don't know. Hashtag not all male Romulans. Exactly. That's exactly my point. (laughs) Yeah, I think Gloria Steinem had some good ideas, but, you know, she went a little too far, maybe. Uh, We see next week. uh, Wow, looks like things are really uh, breaking loose. And again, wish I had that closed captioning, but I think the home planet of Soji is called Cathelius or something like that. Didn't get a spelling, so I couldn't do an etymology uh, off on it. And then we see some bogeys. We see the La Serena in contact with some ships that look like giant flower type things yeah they look like the not so beautiful flowers of that thing that attacked kirk on delta vega in 2009 <laughs> you know what i mean okay yeah they look they look gooey yeah very specific <laughs> yeah um not sure what's happening there but um again uh i love the idea of an organic technology that doesn't get explored a lot in star trek um you know, like yeah. we get the Gormagander, I guess, in Discovery, but um, a lot of a lot of Farscape ideas are finding their way into Star Trek, new new Trek, and I like it. We'll see. Ah, oh, yeah, what a wild ride today, honestly. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I don't know. I'm very excited. I really think they they seem to have you know uh, hit their stride. Yeah. We got a couple more to go, and I've, you know, had we've had ups and downs, and I've complained about stuff, but I'm already looking forward, or, or I'm looking into the future uh, when we won't have any more Picard for a while, and I am regretting that. I'm, I'm going to miss the show when it's gone. I know. I was thinking about that today, and I was like, oh, I want to keep watching. Oh, my yeah. God. You sh- the the sound that came out of me when I saw <laughs> Marina Sirtis walk on yeah. screen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I... I screamed and then I heard my roommate from like two bedrooms down in my apartment go hello. <laughs> I was like, ah! oh man. Oh, it's pretty great. Um, well, that's pretty much it, I think, for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTPOD for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage, this show, are released. And you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage, or you can email us at EISTPOD at gmail.com. And while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show feed. Give us a rating and a review because it really does help us out. If you want to help the show grow, you can stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTPod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discoverage will return on March 19th for the ninth episode of Star Trek Picard entitled Et in Arcadia Ergo Part 1. That episode will be directed by Akiva Goldsman. Oh boy. So we'll be going live once again at around 7 p.m. Central. So join us then. You can follow us in the meantime on Twitter or Facebook at EIST Pod to get notified when we're live and broadcasting. In the meantime, you can check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I'm joined by a special guest to discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek Sphere and interviews with special guests. And our latest episode dropped just yesterday, or actually dropped today. And on that episode, Mikan Hana of the Just Enough Trope podcast is joining me to talk about some of the recent news in the Trek world, including that Simon and Schuster story. You can check that out at enterprisingindividuals.com. Ella, thanks as always for joining me. It was great to have you back and remind people where they can find you online. 
Thank you. You can find uh, me and my dad's podcast, Generations Geek, at generationsgeek.com, Generations Geek on Twitter, and uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And our most recent show, uh, I talk about all the actors that I got to see uh, live on stage in London and meet a couple of them. Yeah, so and I don't – considering the um, the situation uh, in, in in London, uh, this might be the closest you're able to get to any West End theater in a while. So, yeah, uh, yeah listen, to, listen to Generations Geek's show about <laughs> theater and just imagine uh, when those theaters reopen, uh, hopefully soon. And great. That's it for us. Thanks for listening, people. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella saying live long and prosper. Bye.